This is the author's podcast about writing hardware. And in this episode, I'll be talking about different types of writing medium to help you choose the right equipment to write your book. And now, let's cue the intro. Hello and welcome to the author's podcast about the podcast where we journey together into the wonderful world of writing. Each week, this podcast will talk about a particular writing-related subject and teach you how to turn your idea into a book and then get it published with all of the steps along the way. Hosted by author Brett Jackson, this is the author's podcast about... happened in a writer's life this week with some really unstoppable authors doing something called writing sprints. A writing sprint is typically a 20 to 25 minute period when you sit and concentrate on writing. It's not just kept to one small session though. For roughly two hours we mash our keyboards, with breaks of course, and crank out as many words as we can. Writing sprints are a great way to motivate each other and give you a chance to concentrate with other such like-minded people. The idea is not to win and get the most words written, it's just to make sure you beat procrastination and focus on getting some stuff written down. The only person I recommend you competing against is old you, because if you just add one more word today than you did yesterday, you've bettered yourself. Sci-fi or real? According to Isaac Asimov, there are three laws of robotics. Number one, a robot may not injure a human being or, through inaction, allow a human being to come to harm. Number two, a robot must obey orders given it by human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. Number three, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. The newspapers this week said that AI has taken over the world and the article I read had lots of photos of the Terminator inside it. The robots that are being taught to fire weapons and recognise humans, thus ensuring they're not harmed as per Asimov's three robotic laws. Are we living in a world where iRobot could actually become a thing? It was announced recently that on the 23rd of April 2023, a siren will sound on everybody's mobile phone. This has led some newscasters to believe we may be heading for alien invasion or nuclear war. This siren is a government test, so that the government can actually give us advance warning of things to come. Killer robots? Alien invasion? Nuclear war? Are we heading for some sort of dystopia, or do you think it's just something to sell newspapers? In other news, I finished reading Nine Things Career Authors Don't Do by Jay Thorne and Daniel Wilcox. 
This marketing book is absolutely jam-packed with all sorts of tips and tricks to help you avoid the minefield of marketing. An author friend of mine has just released her first book. Through the Hazel Tree is a paranormal mystery and drama from author Anna Kirkup. Elara Anderson has just moved to Scotland for a fresh start with her family. She's settling into college, making new friends, but on her 17th birthday she must leave behind everyone she knows and loves after discovering that she is a witch placed in the human world as a baby to be a societal experiment. Plenty of problems come hand in hand with her new life. Elara's magic is dangerous and unpredictable, and with the risk of being exiled to Halabasis by her corrupted leader Fornius, Elara faces many obstacles in the witchy wonderland of Felicia. She doesn't know who to trust when her parents aren't all they seem, and her feelings for her brooding guide Archer grow despite her loyal boyfriend Xander who is waiting for her at home. Elara must come to terms with her new found powers while proving herself to Fornius and the other witches. But not everybody agrees with the experiment and some oppose the arrival of the newcomer among them. I'm slowly making my way through this book and I have to say it doesn't disappoint. So if you're into paranormal mystery and drama, why not grab a copy today? Through the Hazel Tree by Anna Kirkup is available on Amazon right now. How is my writing going this week, you ask? I'm slowly writing a series Bible, which will help me to construct and write the rest of the Time Clones trilogy. So far, I'm currently on 30,000 words in Time Clones Book 2, and I aim to release this by Christmas this year, so keep an eye out for that. More updates will come in future podcasts. And that's the end of my writing life this week. So, let's crack on with today's episode. It's the author's podcast about writing hardware. In this week's episode, we are talking about different types of writing hardware. There are many different ways you can write a book, and most of them are still used today. Many famous authors have been writing by hand and still do. James Patterson likes to sit in a large room with white boxes along the wall and piles of paper in each. Each pile is a work in progress and his chosen method is to use pencil and paper. Stephen King sits in his trusty office chair with his feet up, handwriting as he cranks out his next masterpiece. There are a surprising amount of traditional authors who write like this. Handwriting your books helps you to slow down and organise things in your head as you put your plot together and create the characters you need. Authors who handwrite typically use pens, pencils, loose-leaf paper, field notebooks and writing books to get their ideas down, then transfer their notes to computers. I personally love the feel of handwriting and I collect stationery especially fountain pens. My favourite pens and paper are Parker's, Waterman 
And I particularly like the Leuchtturm 1917 notebook, which I really enjoy writing on. My chosen colour of ink is black, and against the cream or white paper of the Leuchtturm 1917, this gives a great contrast and makes it easy to read. The Leuchtturm 1917 notebook has a wonderful smooth feel and my pen glides across the paper. The paper is thick enough to prevent the ink from bleeding through. I personally prefer the dotted version, which I also use for bullet journaling, because it gives me the creative freedom to draw as well as write. Typewriters are fantastic, and there are still some writers who use them. Some such names include Danielle Steele, who uses a 1946 Olympia machine, which she affectionately calls Ollie. Stephen King tends to switch back and forth, occasionally using a typewriter. And J.K. Rowling wrote The Philosopher's Stone on a typewriter. Tom Hanks, the actor, actually collects typewriters. Tom Hanks loves typewriters so much that he even has an official app to give you that oldie-worldy, clunky-clicky feel. You could download it on your iPad. It's called Hanks Writer, and that's Hanks with an X. The thing I love about this app is, as well as being able to change the picture so that it makes it feel like you're writing on a particular type of typewriter, you also get that old-style feeling. It even includes the clunky typewriter sounds. Other famous authors include Ernest Hemingway, Helen Keller, George Orwell, Agatha Christie and John Lennon, to name but a few. These days, however, most people write with a digital gadget. Phones are small and can be taken with you anywhere you choose. There's a boatload of software which you can use on your phone, some of which I covered in the last episode. The great thing about using a phone is you can type anywhere. In the bus queue, coffee shop, at home, when you're on the toilet, on your work lunch break, etc. Most modern phones will give you that option to connect a Bluetooth or wired keyboard directly to your handset and you can prop your phone up in landscape view, then tap away on a larger keyboard, giving you an almost laptop-style experience. The problem with these mobile devices is that their batteries don't always make it through the day, and this can be frustrating, constantly watching your device as the battery percentage gets lower and lower. So, with this in mind, I've had a play trying to get the best experience of writing on a mobile phone, and I can honestly say that without a doubt, the best way for me has been to set my handset on landscape, plug in a portable battery pack, charge my phone, and use a Bluetooth keyboard for a much better writing feel. Talking of laptops, there are many, many makes and different types of operating systems, but I'm not going to talk about those today. Instead, we're going to talk about what all these devices have in common. A keyboard, a screen, battery, storage and Wi-Fi. 
keyboards. One of the most important things on a laptop should be the keyboard. After all, that's what you're going to be using to type your books. When you buy a laptop, you're not limited to the keyboard that it comes with. Thankfully, any modern laptop will come with Bluetooth and USB. This gives you the opportunity to customise your writing experience and expand your laptop's potential. I'm guessing that most of you listening will know that sitting at a desk with your neck bent over your keyboard can cause backache, neckache and more. You'll get a much better writing experience if you use something called a laptop riser and an external keyboard. The laptop riser is a gadget that will tilt your laptop upwards at approximately a 75 degree angle to the desk. This lifts the viewing angle of the screen and gives you more room on your writing desk. What do you want to do with the room? You can fill it with a keyboard of your choice and enjoy tapping away. There are some great foldable laptop risers available online. And they only take up a small amount of room in your laptop bag. Some people will go for a clicky clunky keyboard to give them that nostalgic typewriter style feel. They're great, but in quiet environments they can really annoy people and the extra travel on the keys and pressure required to press them can lead to RSI. Repetitive strain injury is a condition that will cause you pain after repeating the same action over a period of time, such as joint pain in your fingers when typing on a typewriter. There are some beautiful keyboards out there that range from the bog standard to the downright ridiculous. Among these, you can find ergonomic keyboards, roll-up keyboards, fold-up pocket-sized keyboards, laser keyboards and more. Personally, I prefer a low-travel keyboard where the key height is not as large as a traditional clicky keyboard. You'll often see these in laptops. You may find one in a modern day Chromebook or Macbook. The keys are quiet so they don't annoy other people. The lack of pressure required to press them means that they don't cause me RSI or repetitive strain injury. And since they're part of the laptop's design I don't have to carry around a separate keyboard. My aim as an author is to write for many years. So choosing the right keyboard for me is an absolute must. And if you wish to do the same, you would be very, very wise to invest in a good keyboard. My favourite ever keyboard was on a MacBook Pro 2019 with butterfly keys, ultra low travel, and they were backlit. For me, being able to see the keys is an important thing, especially at night time as I deliberately chose not to learn to touch type. My reason for this was because if I am staring at a screen for too long, the fixed focal length and constant brightness of the screen can cause me eye strain and really wipe me out, so I get less done. Some Bluetooth keyboards even come with those circular typewriter styled keys to give you that nostalgic writing feeling. So we've talked about keyboards, let's talk about screens. 
Screens are an important thing too. Screen height is really important. Screen height is vital. If your screen is too low and you tend to hunch over your laptop or computer, you will end up with serious backache and neckache, giving you a very uncomfortable writing session. Brightness is important, especially if you're going to spend hours in front of your computer. So please take the time to set up your monitor's brightness so you're comfortable with it. Most operating systems will allow you to tweak the brightness settings. But if this doesn't work, you can usually find some buttons on the monitor that will help you to tweak that brightness, contrast and hue. Hue is a great tool and will change the colour temperature to blue or orange or other colours. These colours will enable your eyes to relax so you can carry on working for longer. And in some instances, they're very, very good if you are dyslexic. For dyslexic writers, you can also buy filters or use your computer's operating system settings to set up different coloured backgrounds. Batteries. Laptop batteries have come a long way since ye olde days and you can quite often get a good amount of time out of your laptop whilst on the go. Back then, batteries were removable and the best practice was to actually take your battery out whilst using your laptop plugged into the mains with no battery. This obviously prevents overcharging your battery avoids creating too much heat and means that your laptop battery can stay in your bag fully charged, ready to be used when you need it whilst out and about. These days, they're built in and a little bit more difficult to replace. While it is possible to replace your battery, I don't personally recommend that you do it unless you're a qualified professional or send it to a computer repair shop. If you do feel confident doing this job, then there are plenty of videos online that will help you do it. Disclaimer, I don't accept any responsibility to any damage done to your writing equipment. Batteries these days don't need to be run down all the way like batteries of old, and you can keep them plugged in all the time. I know people who have a laptop set up with separate keyboard mouse and monitor connected to them and they use them just like a desktop computer. As technology changes batteries are lasting longer. My old 2013 MacBook Pro recently had a new battery but only lasts for about four hours on a charge. Some modern day laptops boast battery times of between 12 and 15 hours Google Chromebooks can go up to 18 hours without a charge. If your battery doesn't fare as well and it has a USB-C socket on the side, that's the weird lozenge shaped one, then there's a great way to get more juice out of it. You can turn down your brightness, switch off your Wi-Fi if you're not using it and attach a portable battery pack to it. Great for when you're out and about. Another good example of a laptop with a good battery are the new ARM laptops 
they don't use the Intel processors anymore. And because they create less heat, the batteries last a lot longer. So you can go anywhere between 12 to 15 hours on a charge on a Windows laptop. Storage. Storage is really important. After all, you're creating a document and you need to be able to actually put it somewhere. Most older laptops usually come with a boatload of storage, like a 512 gigabyte or one terabyte drive. These days, with the event of cloud storage, there is less storage on your computer. And modern day laptops tend to come with anything between about 32 gigabytes and 256 gigabytes of storage on them. This is plenty of room to be able to store your documents as a writer. This storage will help you to save your writing documents, photos, music and more. While most modern laptops have a fixed amount of storage, it can be quite different for desktop computers. The great thing about this is, with the right tech know-how, you can easily add an extra hard drive to give you a boost in storage space and make your computer future-proof. The great thing about writing books is that the written text does not take up as much space as photos, music or videos, so a decent hard drive should keep you going for the foreseeable future. If you fancy adding a hard drive to your computer, there are plenty of great tutorials on YouTube to walk you through it. As someone who used to fix computers for a living, I can honestly say it's not that hard to do. But please make sure you have your power supply switched off and unplugged from the wall before attempting any upgrades. I won't be held responsible if your computer breaks. This style of storage is often called personal storage or local hard drive space. Cloud storage. Cloud storage or online storage is something you've probably heard of, but are curious about how it works. It takes its name from the origins of Ethernet. Ethernet is a wired internet, which is, as legend has it, supposedly based on sending files through the ether. Ether is a gas, hence the cloud of gas, aka the cloud. While this sounds really magical and mystical, the reality is in fact quite different. In large liquid-cooled rooms, there are rows upon rows of computers literally stacked on top of each other with lots of hard drives. These hard drives provide the storage that we refer to as the cloud or online storage. So when you fire up your computer and go to your photos on OneDrive, Google Drive, the iCloud, Dropbox, etc., what you're actually doing is connecting to a computer in a large room and the photos are being sent to your device. The great thing about cloud storage is that you can access it from anywhere and any device. So, if something goes wrong with your computer, laptop, tablet or phone, you can simply log in via another device and view your documents and photos. On the other hand, if you keep your photos on the laptop's hard drive, you can be at risk of losing precious memories 
if your device breaks and you have no backup. Internet connectivity. We all live our lives with some sort of wireless connectivity. Even writers who shun technology and prefer the good old-fashioned feel of a pen and paper will still use the internet, whether they're aware of it or not. The internet is a fantastic resource of great knowledge, but also cat videos. That great knowledge is a really useful way of being able to help us as authors to research how old the President of the United States is or how many petals you can get on an average daisy. Perhaps you'll want to create a hot air balloon from bin bags, or find a way to save money by optimising your food waste. Characters in your books might be lost if they didn't know how to get out of a tight situation, and readers will certainly lose interest, complain, or even give you bad reviews if you're describing a real location and some of the details are inaccurate. Having wireless internet gives you the freedom to take your portable devices from one location to another, and saves you littering your laptop bag with wires and adapters. However, there is a downside to this. Wireless technology can be susceptible to interference. Walls, for example, may block your signal. And so can lots of electronic gadgets all in the same area. Which is the reason why you sometimes lose Wi-Fi or your phone signal in gadget shops. Having no wireless signal will cause you problems whilst trying to download your online documents. But it also has a good side. It's a great way to write distraction-free. Because you're not connected to the internet, you won't receive private messages, updates from social media, email notifications, the latest buzz from video sites, and much, much more. This lack of notifications can be a bit unnerving at the start, but you soon get used to it, and it can really help you to keep your focus. And try to keep this in mind when choosing a laptop so that when you save your files, they can go to your local hard drive. This way, if you have no internet, you're not going to miss out on the writing experience. In my personal experience with owning and fixing many different types of laptops in the past, one of the best types came with a hardware switch to click the wireless on and off. This gives you instant on-off internet without the guesswork. It also means you can choose to enter a writing session knowing that you'll not be distracted. A good example of laptops with hardware switches are the slightly older versions of Lenovo ThinkPads. They feature on-off Wi-Fi and easily replaceable components like hard drives, DVD drives, memory and batteries too. They can usually also be upgraded to the latest operating system, so you shouldn't have a problem with out-of-date software. RAM. What is RAM? Random access memory or computer memory usually comes on small printed circuit boards called RAM sticks. A stick of memory can help your computer manage data during normal day-to-day -day operations. Try not to confuse memory with storage, 
because while storage is where you install your apps and programs too, memory is all about being able to help your computer run stuff in the background without having to access the hard drive so often. Think of it this way. Imagine a box of books and a shelf. Each time you put a book into the box, you've installed a book. When you want to access a book or run a program, your computer makes a copy of it from the box, then adds the copy to the shelf. Then you open the book um, app. Because it's open, you still use the space on the shelf. Are you with me so far? Good. When you minimize a window or put an app in the background, you are closing the book but it remains on the shelf so it's still easily accessible. If you have too many apps open, your computer starts to slow down because you're using lots of space on the shelf in memory and it takes longer to find what you're looking for in them. When you end an app, for example your favourite writing programme, it closes the book and removes it from the shelf, thus freeing up some memory from the bookshelf. When you close down your computer and close all the books, you clear the shelf and they all go back in the box. So you switch it off, the computer closes all the apps, but they still remain installed on your system. With most laptops that contain DVD drives, you can usually find a hard drive caddy to replace your DVD drive so you can add an extra internal hard drive, thus boosting your storage space, giving yourself a nice little backup area and getting rid of the DVD drive. When writing a book, you don't actually need the top-of-the-line super-duper gaming computer. Instead, something with reasonable storage, 120 gigabytes is good, memory of around 2 gigabytes, although 4 gigabytes is more preferred and you'll find that your laptop will boot up faster, some Wi-Fi and a comfortable keyboard. Distraction-free devices. There are some other types of devices that you can get, so-called distraction-free devices. One such item is the Alpha Smart Neo 2, which has a standard keyboard and a small LCD built in. It's battery powered and runs on just two AAs. The makers claim that it can be powered on the same batteries for up to a year. This device has some file buttons across the top of the keyboard marked File 1, File 2, File 3, etc, etc. Each file, I am told, will hold up to 10,000 words, and you can easily write a 50,000 word novel on it. To transfer the stuff you typed into it, simply plug a printer lead into it, then attach it to your computer. It shows up on your computer as a standard keyboard. You can open your favourite word processor, Word, Google Docs, Scrivener, whatever, and when it's opened, Simply press the send key on the Alpha Smart Neo 2 and watch the magic happen as the words literally fly onto the screen. It's actually really addictive watching it and serves as a great reward after a long writing period.
Sadly, they don't come with backlit keyboards. However, they do come with a USB socket. The USB socket is not powered. All you have to do is slot in a USB stick in the back of the Alpha Smart Neo 2. Then attach a clip-on book light to the USB stick so you can see to read and write at night time. They also don't come with Wi-Fi. And since it's just a text interface, you can't download any social media apps. So, again, no distractions whatsoever. They are instant on and off, so no having to wait for an operating system to start up. So where can you get one of these? Well, the great news is they're cheap as chips on eBay, and you can grab one for approximately 30 quid. Although, they don't come up that often, so keep an eye out. To finish off, they're solid well-made and very light. A great device to put in a rucksack if you're going for a hike and you want to get some words down. Another example of a distraction-free writer is the FreeWrite Traveller. It's a similar device, except this one folds like a miniature laptop. It comes with Wi-Fi and smart card slots. This device is created to make you write and write. There's no editing function, so you just carry on and then edit later at a computer. It looks very stylish, has a wonderful keyboard and you can get lots of work done. The batteries are rechargeable, but they don't last as long as the Alpha Smart Neo 2. And they can come in at a hefty price tag of around £500. The last device I want to talk to you about today is the Pomera. This device is pocket-sized and comes in a variety of foldable designs. They originate from Japan and come with Japanese as the default language. Pushing a couple of buttons, it is possible to change the language to English and type away to your heart's content. If you want to know more about these and other distraction-free devices, there is a group on Facebook called Alpha Smart, and you can go there to find out more about these devices and others, including the FreeWrite Traveller, the Pomera, Sony, VGN, P11Z, and much, much more. I hope that this episode has helped you to choose your ideal writing device, or at least have you go away feeling more informed about what the minimum requirements are. If you have any questions, please feel free to send me an email to brettjackson at britishbooks.com and that's British with two T's. And that's the end of this part of the episode, so thank you very much for listening. If you love this show and want to become an official fan, you can for just £3 a month. By signing up, you get a shout-out on the show, access to the private community on Patreon, and that great feeling of happiness, knowing that you're helping to support an independent author. Simply pop over to www.patreon.com slash theauthorspodcastabout and show your support today. Your task for today is to take out a pen and a piece of paper and write down what device you use and how you're going to use it. Then put the piece of paper somewhere memorable so that it can be a reminder to you every time you look at it. This week's question of the week is 
What do you use to write with? As always, please feel free to send your answers to brettjackson at britishbooks.com or answer in our Facebook group. Next week's episode will be the author's podcast about the right place. And I'll be discussing what makes a good writing space. So don't forget to tune in. That's all for this week. If you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to click that subscribe button now. Also, if you know someone who would benefit from this podcast, don't forget to share the word. And I will see you next week for some more Authors Podcast About. Goodbye for now. Mm -hmm.